and I want to welcome you to our podcast. We are the Faithlift Sisters, four women who love Jesus and who have committed to spending time studying the Bible and growing in friendship with each other. We love being together, and we hope that you'll enjoy your time with us. In the last episode, we discussed the condition of the Israelites who signed the binding agreement. Today, we look at the obligations of the agreement, the what. What exactly were they agreeing to? And Terry's going to read our scripture passage for us. It's uh, Nehemiah chapter 10, verses 30 through 39, and it's a little bit long, but stick with us because it's just so important. Um, And then we'll break it down a little bit afterwards so that we can um, help remember and put some of these things into context. But stick with us. It's it's worth it. Mm -hmm. Uh, We promise not to give our daughters in marriage to the peoples around us or take their daughters for our sons. When the neighboring peoples come, bring merchandise or grain to sell on the Sabbath, we will not buy from them on the Sabbath or on any holy day. Every seventh year, we will forego work, working the land, and will cancel all debts. We assume the responsibility of carrying out the commands to give a third of the shekel each year for the service of the house of our God. For the bread set out on the table, for the regular grain offerings and burnt offerings, for the offerings on the Sabbath, at the new moon feasts, and at the appointed festivals, for the holy offerings, for sin offerings, to make atonement for Israel, and for all the duties of the house of our God. We, the priests, the Levites, and the people, have cast lots to determine when each of our families is to bring to the house of our God, at set times each year, a contribution of wood to burn on the altar of the Lord our God, as it is written in the law. We also assume responsibility for bringing to the house of the Lord each year the first fruits of our crops and of every fruit tree. As it is also written in the law, we will bring the firstborn of our sons and of our cattle, of our herds, and of our flocks to the house of our God, to the priests ministering there. Moreover, we will bring to the storerooms of the house of our God, to the priests, the first of our ground meal, of our grain offerings, of the fruit of all our trees, and of our new wine and olive oil. And we will bring a tithe of our crops to the Levites, for it is the Levites who collect the tithes in all the towns where we work." A priest descended from Aaron is to to accompany the Levites when they receive the tithes, and the Levites are to bring a tenth of the tithes up to the house of our God, to the storerooms of the treasury. The people of Israel, including the Levites, are to bring the contributions of grain, new wine, and olive oil to the storerooms, where the articles for the sanctuary are kept, um, where the ministering... I'm sorry where the articles for the sanctuary are kept, and the ministering priests, the gatekeepers, and the singers stay. We will not neglect the house of our God. That's a, that's a lot of passage right there. <laughs> One of the things that I love the most though, is he keeps saying, our God, our God, mm-hmm. our God. So I love that they now they're, they are really all in this together. This mm-hmm. is our God that we're talking about and the things that we are going to do to honor him. Mm-hmm. And that's the key is that um, they had committed to doing these things, and they were saying publicly, and this is the agreement that they made, mm-hmm. our God. Okay. We're in it together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We own it. We will. Yep. Well, let's break things down a little bit. 
because that was a lot. That was a lot. That was a lot. So let's break it down a little bit and kind of talk about um, the commitment that they made and then why they made that commitment and why it was important. Okay. Well, the first one is that they've committed not to give their sons or daughters in marriage to the surrounding peoples. So why do we think that was important? Or to bring their their daughters for their sons. For their sons. It was important, and this we want to make very clear, it was not a racial issue. This was um, a cultural issue, um, and I think it's best stated um, in our homework. There's a quote by Ray Steadman here. And it says, um, FYI, we will not give our daughters to the peoples of the land or take their daughters for our sons. That's from 1030. And he says, in our melting pot multicultural society, this sounds like a bigoted statement. But there was an excellent reason for making that commitment. The idol-worshiping tribes that surrounded Israel engaged in outrageously degenerate religious and sexual practices, including human and infant sacrifice, and the worship of sexual organs and other degrading practices. Their immorality had spread disease and death among their people. The issue was not race, but but religion. Any Canaanite, Hittite, Amorite, anybody who converted to faith in the one true God and worshiped according to God's commandments was welcome into the Israelite community without prejudice. So this was not, we're not going to let you have... Um, any type of marriage with our people because you're different, it was because you don't believe in God mm-hmm. and because your practices and your um, your worship. society, yeah, and your worship is so evil, um, really is what it was, and um, it's not clean and it's not healthy, and we are called to be God's people, and as God's people, we have to uphold these standards, and the things that are common practice in your society do not line up with that. So we're not going to mess with it. We're not going to bring it in. So again, it was for the protection of God's people to yes. protect the people of Israel. But once any of the people who... Um, were from any of the surrounding tribes or anywhere decided to convert to the way and the laws of God, then they were welcome. They were welcome. So we just want to make sure that that is super, super clear, that this is not a race issue. This is a cultural, religious, um, religious yeah. And and I say cultural because religion was their culture. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. So that is just, we want to be very, very clear about that. Because there are just ugly things out there in the world right now, and um, that's not what God wants. Mm-hmm. You know, we we're all the same color under our skin. We are we our have red blood. That's right, and and Jesus shed His red blood. That's right for, for our red blood. Mm-hmm. So we just please, please, please understand the context of that decision. Yeah, this is where looking at what's written and then being willing to see past it. Like initially, if you would have read that, you might have been really offended. But if you really look at the culture that it was talking to, and if you really are willing to see what God wants for you um, and how God loves you, um, you might take it it in with different eyes. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it takes... um, more than one reading, and sometimes it takes some studying and some digging so that we can understand 
what this is because we have to remember these were not books that were written directly for us. There's not some guy sitting in an office in Oxford, England, (laughs) writing the Bible, you know, in a language that is our first tongue and that we have the, um, you know, just the, the average comprehension of this was a book that was written thousands of years ago to the Jewish people, um, who, live much differently than we do in just about every <laughs> way imaginable. So we just have to understand that there are... I'm, I'm poking myself in the eye. <laughs> it's a good thing I wear glasses oh or else I would so really hard. not yeah. have any it's eyes. Be a problem. Um, not to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> pretty funny. We call those safety glasses sometimes. That's right. <laughs> Which is really funny because I spend a lot of time, I think, waving my pen around. You, you do a lot of pen um, circles, yes. <laughs> yes. I am I am a, a hand talker, but mm-hmm. anyway. So, yeah, just understand that this is... Um, contextual and you have to have the context you know I, I would just as a suggestion another tip and trick from the sisters um, if you read something and it bothers you ask God ask mm-hmm. God to show you this passage through his eyes mm-hmm. ask what he wants you to know about this um, it's a helpful way sometimes and, and it's okay for scripture to bother you mm-hmm. it's an opportunity to go before God mm-hmm. That's and sometimes to, how we're convicted. Dig yeah. deeper. Yeah. You look at yeah. some trusted commentaries or mm-hmm. something that could help you out with um, how things went back then. I've got another right. little saying for you. <clears throat> if you take something out of context, you are left with a con. Mm-hmm. Yep, we did so that. If you really want the truth, then you have to look at it in the context. Right. Otherwise, you could end up with something that is not the truth. Right. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're assuming that this is exactly how you're reading it, and you know what happens yeah, okay. when, when you, you assume, assume. Yes. Mm-hmm. it makes a mm, out of you and me. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Normally, like we have this thing that we go, say it, say <laughs> it. I'm not going to do that to you this time. No, we're just going to keep on moving Don't here. say it. <laughs> don't, don't say it. <laughs> It'll make a donkey. Right. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> well, see, here we're going. Now, where is the line? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I can see it, yeah. but I haven't crossed it. <laughs> you haven't. Okay, so uh, that's 1030. How about mm-hmm. 1031? Somebody want to read that and give us a little context? Well, when the neighboring people bring merchandise or grain to sell on the Sabbath, we will not buy from them on the Sabbath or on any holy day. Every seventh year, we will forego working the land and will cancel all debts. So I I saw this as like their trade, their prosperity. Mm -hmm. So I kind of was looking at this entire list and I kept going, why is God doing this? Why is God doing this? And it almost feels to me like... He hit almost every area of their life. Mm-hmm. Their descendants was in the last one, right? Mm-hmm. This one is in their prosperity. Mm-hmm. And it, he's just saying there are limits here on, on what you can do. And as you obey those limits, remember me, right? Um, the year of Jubilee was, it was um, your sins, your debts were forgiven, People would not become slaves anymore. They had that opportunity to step out. Um, and as you do that, remember my forgiveness towards you. You know, I, I think that could be a part of it, just remembering how, you know what, I didn't keep you in slavery forever. There's there's a way that you honor me. You help remember what I've done for you in the past. 
And I thought this was a cool list in the contract. They agree not to do business on the Sabbath. Right. They were told that was one of the big ten, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The big Keep ones. the Sabbath Keep the holy. Sabbath. You don't do any work on it, and you just think about God all day and, and remember and talk about mm-hmm. what he's done for you and whatever. And they were doing business, not only doing work like their own fields. Mm-hmm. That, that was totally against God's will. So that was one of the big stumbling blocks that they had before was doing business on um, on the Sabbath. And I think some of that too is um, recognizing that God is our provider. So he ordained a day of rest for us. He was like, you know what, guys, you don't need to be working seven days a week. Mm-hmm. So let's rest on the Sabbath. Let's dedicate that one day to God and to rest. Um I think I find that, you know, I sell real estate. So it, a lot of my work happens on the Sabbath, uh, on Sunday. Mm-hmm. But I try really hard to set one day aside where I don't have to do anything because I think God instituted the Sabbath as a rest day for me for a reason mm-hmm. because I shouldn't be out there working seven days a week. Um, and also to remind me that God is the one who supplies my needs. And so if He says, I need rest, I need to rest, and then he'll take care of the other needs that I have on those other six days of the week. So part of this is about creating a relationship with God. It is. And so we could see that the trusting and the purity are the um, daughters not marrying into other cultures or things like that, just trusting that, maybe not even understanding that rule, and just trusting that God has a plan for this, Mm -hmm. and there's a purpose for this, and we don't have to understand it all. We just need to obey it. It's so hard sometimes. It is. But even with their marriages in those days, sometimes marriages were made to combine wealth and to Mm -hmm. retain wealth. They weren't just, oh, you know, Susie fell in love with Joey. Um, There were other underlying factors, and so God again is saying, trust me, don't feel like you've got to make relationships out there with other people in the world to um, give yourself security. I'm your security. Yeah. yeah. That's a That's good, good point. Um, I thought it was kind of strange that, um, you know, he's talking about doing business, and then and then it says, and every seventh year, rest your fields. Rest your fields. Um, mm-hmm. I come from a farming community, mm-hmm. and... There are, um, your fields have to rest because when you are growing crops, it's taking nutrients out of the soil. And even if you amend your soil and all these things, like your, um, your vineyards can only live and thrive for a certain amount of time and then they're done. Mm -hmm. And, um, your orchards are the same way. And I mean, everything, Mm -hmm. um, and so you do have to, in order to progressively, or continually be able to have um, a high-yielding crop, you have to let your fields rest. And you have to let them just be. And um, a lot of times, farmers will let, if they know it's going to be an off year, they let their um, their crops kind of just sit and go bad. Um, they let the wood be there and they kind of let some of the stuff decompose into it and then they'll go through and pull it and they'll burn it. Um, but then those ashes and the um, organisms from the decomposition go back into the soil and that's what helps to fertilize and bring new life into mm. the 
um, whatever it is that they're going to put in when the fields are newly planted. So this was a very practical way, too, of saying, listen, you want this to be ongoing. You've you've got to give it some rest because your livelihood needs rest as well as you. Mm -hmm. When we go apple and pumpkin picking, um, you notice it especially in the apple picking, some... Some um, portions of the orchard you don't pick. We're right. not we're not picking this year, or you know we're not using those this mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. And so, like when we plant our little garden in the backyard, you know, and I think we've reached a point. It's been way more than seven years. We rotate our crops, yes. as it were. <laughs> yes. I'm using that term loosely. Crops. Mm-hmm. We rotate because they pull different nutritions at from different um, right. plants. And so I think. Um, you know, Greg sometimes feeds them, mm-hmm. which I don't like. But I said, now it's not organic. So the last couple of years, we've really gone organic. Mm-hmm. But we're not getting, this year, my cucumbers, which are usually crazy, and my tomatoes, which didn't do well. Mm-hmm. I think it might be time for a rest for them. And that happens. Yeah, yeah. We used to live across the street from a field um, where they rotated their crops between tobacco and, um, not tobacco, Sorry, wrong field. We lived in North Carolina (laughs) for a long time, and they did lots of tobacco. Mm -hmm. Um, But when we were in Alabama, they did peanuts Mm -hmm. and cotton, and they did every other year because of that Mm -hmm. fact. And there was one year, it was just a bad year, and the next year, nothing. They were Mm -hmm. just letting the soil rest. Mm -hmm. So So that's another example. Like They probably saw this in nature, like we're able to see it as we grow things and and they may not have understood why God said this, but just it's okay. You can just obey it. Just and then your mm-hmm. house will be plentiful. Part of that, too, is saving up and being ready for that seventh year when you're going to let your crops rest. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if they rotated or different, let different fields do it or if it was all the same. I don't know. But That's a good question. They probably rotated because you might have. Right. Let's say you just started planting in your field, but you've been farming for 10 years. Right. So got it. There was mm-hmm. probably some natural rotation. Yeah. Yeah. So what about the next one? 30, the shekel. So 32 and 33, it says, we assume the responsibility for carrying out the commands to give a third of a shekel every year for the service of the house of our God, for the bread set out on the table, for the regular grain offerings and burnt offerings, for the offerings of the Sabbaths, new moon festivals, and appointed feasts, for the holy offerings of for sin to make atonement for Israel, and for all the duties of the house of our God. So math lady... Uh-oh. How Matt much is one-third of a shekel worth? I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> I have no clue. But you know what? Wait, I y'all down some talk amongst... Okay, y'all you talk amongst know. yourselves. So one ounce of silver is worth... Um, is this silver? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I think a shekel was a... Was a silver. Well, while we're, while we're kind of searching for that, they've been doing excavation in Israel, and they have found along this road the one-third shekels. It's the road that leads up to the temple, and they have found these little coins. Ooh. Oh, how cool is and that? And they've excavated them. Yeah. That's very so cool. cool. Okay, I usually am prepared ahead of time for questions like that, and I don't Sorry. have it today. I just saw it, but <laughs> any of you who know, just let us know. Yeah, I think silver was recently trading at like 75 Four dollars an ounce, maybe. So seventy-four divided. So well, it'd be roughly twenty-five dollars. Dollars. Mm-hmm. That's not much. No. For the upkeep of the temple. 
Well, that's just a per family, right? That's per a, just a money thing, right? Because right, there's also, also a lot of other stuff that they're going to provide for the temple, right? Yeah, and in, in those days, who knows what twenty five dollars. Right. Yeah. Would buy you. It is. Well, it's yeah. Each. But it's each. Yeah. yeah. But then they're also providing bread, mm-hmm. grain yes. offerings, burnt offerings, um, the offerings for the Sabbaths, the festivals, the feasts, the holy offerings, the sin offerings. So that is just the monetary part. Mm-hmm. That doesn't include, right. you know, because then they go on to even talk about the wine and the oil. So that's mm-hmm. just money for them to have in their treasury. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it, what's kind of nice, um, I, you know, okay to keep moving? Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, is the next one where it's 34, where the priests and the Levites, they cast lots to determine the order that each family is going to bring all this in. And, and in light of the previous one that we just read, it's like, what if everybody brought it on in March? <laughs> you know? And then it's like, no, we don't have any for August. We don't have any. It's like there had to have been some sort of order that the people would bring it in. Mm-hmm. But I loved how the priests had that order set. Mm-hmm. It's like a regular steady paycheck. Yeah. Makes yeah. all the difference. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, but um, I that may be true for all of that, but this one in particular, 34, is um, so that they would be set times each year to bring the contribution of wood right. yes. to burn. So, oh, I thought so it was like, it's like all the, set, the stuff. No, oh, but okay. I'm just thinking that probably had to happen back there in the grain offerings and the different offerings. It had to be going on throughout the year. Yeah. But you're right. Yeah. That, that's really important. The one we were just on was mm-hmm. when the priest would decide when to bring the wood for the altars that would be for to all burn the, the altars. sacrifices and right. everything. That they had to always have a good were, supply of wood. Yeah, they were going on every day. All the time, all yeah. The time. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so that's some of these lot. things you could store up if that's what it came down to, but the wood wouldn't store probably as easily because they were very specific about the type of wood. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there were like three or four different types that they required and I might be wrong. I might be just completely making this up, but I. <laughs> it's a good story so um, Well, I know they were specific about types of wood, mm-hmm. but I, th- I think I read somewhere, like I said, don't quote me on this, please, but that there were different types of wood that were used for different types of offerings and festivals. Wouldn't that make mm. sense, though? Yeah, Maybe. it does make sense. Yeah. Like some types of woods burn longer, some types of wood. You know, they're faster. They might have a different aroma with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to think of where I heard that. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was divine. Maybe God gave me that inspiration. (gasps) I bet you I I don't know. (laughs) If I'm wrong, sorry, God. (laughs) During the Build This House program, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So then we go into um, verses 35 through 39, which kind of go together. Right. Mm Um, Let's just talk about them. What they're supposed to bring the first fruits of the crops. I think it's funny that they differentiate between the first fruits of the crops and the first fruits of the fruit, fruit trees. trees. Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought so too. Because I'm I like, that. it's all a crop. If you're for us, it is growing it. It's a crop, right? And then they delineated between the first sons, firstborn sons. Firstborn mm-hmm. sons. Mm-hmm. So we've got a pattern of firstborns going on here, or first fruits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it calls for the firstborn son, cattle, first of the herds, the flocks. Um, produce. The produce, yeah. I wonder if the difference between the crop and the fruit was that the crop was something that grew in the ground, 
and the fruit was something that was on the tree. Maybe. Which you would have had different people growing those different things because they grow in different soils. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Says the lady who grew up in the farming in community. The farm- yeah. Yeah. We will trust you on that one. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good wonder. Well, let's talk a little bit about the sons. Yes, Bringing please. your firstborn son to the temple. Mm-hmm. Um, Redeem your son, I think, is what... Yes, well, so... Up to this point, they've been talking about sacrificial offerings of the fruits and the cattle and the flocks and whatever. But we're not talking about human sacrifice here. They were not Mm -hmm. required Mm -hmm. to give the life um, in death of their firstborn son. Right. The sheep were killed, the cattle were killed, the ox were killed, all that, but not their children. Right. So it goes back to what happened in Egypt. It was God's original intention um, that the firstborns would minister before him. But in Egypt, when God sent the angel of death through Egypt, he saved the sons of the Israelites, and the sons of the Egyptians, the firstborn sons of the Egyptians, died. Because Pharaoh Pharaoh was hard-hearted and would not listen and see when God was saying, let these people go. So they were saved by the blood. That was put on the put post on the of their post. home. From, from the innocent the, lamb. Yep, the lamb that was... Yeah, the Passover sacred. lamb. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that the angel of death would pass over their homes mm-hmm. and spare their firstborn. So this is a way of redeeming You know what happened in Egypt. They were supposed to bring their firstborn son to the temple. And it should have been that the firstborn would have served God, but... When they made that golden calf in the desert with when Moses was up on the mountain, God said, well, now we're going to have to have a different, we're going to have a priesthood. Mm-hmm. So it won't be your firstborn sons, but you still are going to need to redeem them out of my service. So you would bring your son, but you would keep him out of that service by an offering, by giving something in his place. That thing is five shekels of silver. You've got that down. Because I I really wanted to know, what is the price? What was the price? Yeah. Yeah. So it's five shekels of silver. And uh, it has to be be, um, pure silver. Like it Mm -hmm. can't be like our silver dollars today, our copper overlaid with silver. That That doesn't count. That would not do it. It has to be five silver coins. Okay. So... um, so I, they they still do that today. I was reading in a Jewish magazine, um, and when I was looking up the, and so the redemption ceremony uh, has a priest that comes in, and uh, if you don't have five silver coins, you can buy them from the priest, and use them uh, to buy back your <laughs> so, son. Um, probably use your credit card for that. Wouldn't you? <laughs> you, could, you probably could. I was just thinking there's probably like ten. Right. Shekels in the whole world now that are just being used over and over again. But um, for them, it's a very joyous event, mm-hmm. and they call their family and their friends over, and there's a big feast and a big meal, um, and and they actually do pay the priest, and he says to them, um, "This is your firstborn. This is my firstborn son, born of his mother. We are both." Um, Jewish people. So this is a very Jewish mm-hmm. ceremony. Um, How old is so, the son? I'm sorry? How old is the son when this A happened? month old. Oh. oh right. okay. 
Okay. A month old. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just realized, like, what if, okay, you go there and the rabbi goes, okay, you can buy these for me. It's like, oh, I don't have it. Don't, okay. And they just hand him the baby and he's like, I don't know what to do with it. Yeah. Like, well, this is not you, how it's supposed to work. about that. Yeah. Oh, you, really? Yeah. You have to, no. You the have to priest will them. not take, you know, it's like <laughs> right. a devious plan. We really don't want this kid right now. We don't want no. him. <laughs> I, I don't have the money. I don't have the money here. Take him. Like, they won't they take him. They, okay. it's our, I mean, that is really right in there. Well, that would kind of mess up the ceremony. Yeah. <laughs> that would be very sad. So the priest, though, does, um, because of the tradition of it, the priest does ask the father, what do you prefer? Do you prefer to give me your firstborn, or would you like to redeem him as is required in the Torah? You better catch him on a good day when that kid hasn't been crying for 48 hours straight. Yeah, this right? could be iffy. That's why they do it at one month, though, right. before the teenage years. Oh, good point. <laughs> right. Um, so anyways, then the father, of course, does. I prefer to redeem my son, gives him the coins, and then um, the father pronounces a blessing on his son, and then the priest pronounces a blessing of the baby, and then they have this party of rejoicing because their son has been redeemed. Oh, that's, that's very pretty cool. Awesome. Yeah. That is very cool. And uh, I thought it was pretty interesting, too. Um, we talked before about how the Jewish people wouldn't even say God's name. Yeah. And in this um, article that I was reading, it's when he talks about God, it is G slash D. They really? won't even write it out. So Well, Yahweh anyways. is the, the A and the E. We put that in for pronunciation, but we would often see it Y, W. Yeah, it's not complete. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways... Um, that was it's a big deal yeah. to buy back, to redeem. So I'm curious, and I don't know this, but the descendants of Aaron are the Levites, right? Yes. 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 Well, wait. Aaron, Aaron is, is the, the descendant oh, no, of, from Levi. of Levi. Of Levi. Yeah. Okay. So they're all, he's in the family, the whole thing. Isn't he the one that made the golden half? Yeah. So, but he said the people made the do people it. made. It, yeah. oh. oh, got it. Uh, that fixed it. <laughs> that fixed it, right? Wait yeah. a um, minute. Made me do it. But I then, how is he the one that has to do the that does the redeeming? I'm kind of thinking he must have repented. Yeah. <laughs> and been so sorry. How God positioned God him, him yeah. in that position again? Yeah. I I, I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. It's a and beautiful picture of his line. love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And of his promises. Right. One of the things I like about this is how um, how it's intentional. It's deliberate. It's it's set apart. Like you set apart the Sabbath day. You mm-hmm. set apart uh, my daughter will not marry other people. You set apart um, the grains. Mm-hmm. And it's the first fruits. And so what's mm-hmm. the piece that it's the first... You, they didn't always know how much they were going to get from their crops. Like they could have, they could have given this offering, and then it could have been disease-ridden. Yeah, and they didn't. They didn't know that for sure. They probably don't even know that now. Still, mm-hmm. I don't know. But um, when you're giving God your first fruits, you're talking, saying, "I'm trusting you, God." It's by faith. Yeah, yeah. it's definitely. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's definitely a faith. And I think you're saying um, you're worthy of the best, the best. right? Because I'm not going to wait and give you my raggedy old apples, right? You're gonna, get, you know, yeah. A, a, just a couple bruises, there's no big <laughs> right. deal. Right. When you make it into cider, it'll be fine, right? <laughs> One of the questions 
somewhere in here. I was going to say I thought of, but that's not quite true. So um, one of the questions in one of the commentaries was, do I give God my first fruits or do I give him my leftovers Mm. of my life? And I I spent some time really thinking about that. And I think a lot of times I'm guilty that it's leftovers. You know, I get up, I do this, I do that, blah, 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 blah. Okay, now I can do my study. Mm-hmm. Get the dishes done, get this, practice this. And okay, now I can... Like where does he fit into your schedule? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of where it's convenient. I don't think that's how it's supposed to be. Rather than so. intentionally setting aside mm-hmm. that time. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's like time treasures and our talents. How do we use our talents? Do we use it all for us? Or are there ways that we... Um, intentionally give back using our gifts. That's a good question. But the thing is, more the more we go into this, the more we actually walk through this. I'm going to kind of just say probably the more the Israelites did that, the stronger their relationship with God grew. You know, they had to trust him with this. They had to trust that. And it was like, I don't know why we have to do the firstborn stuff, but I'm going to do it, God. And I'll remember it. And I don't know why I have to remember it like we just learned about it last Tuesday. <laughs> but it's like, you know what? Four Tuesdays from now, I don't know what I did four Tuesdays ago. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like how easily we forget these things. Yeah. So. Well, and God promised them. Um, in Malachi, it talks about a blessing that God promised his people regarding the tithes. Yeah. And somebody told me, once, I don't know if this is right or not, but somebody said that the only time in the Bible where God says, test me, yeah, that is true, is, is in Malachi. Is in Malachi, yeah. and it's regarding tithes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where he just says, test me. You give, and then I'm going to give back to you. Right. Mm-hmm. Overflowing. Overflowing. Right. Overflowing. Yeah. Overflowing. Mm-hmm. Yes, he says, I'll throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, there will not be room to store it. <laughs> kind of gives me the chills. It, it does, makes me giggle. Yeah. That's yeah. so awesome. Yeah. But isn't that true with his word? As we study the Bible mm-hmm. and we're just um, giving him, hopefully, our first fruits, like this is it. We just put this as an offering to him. Mm-hmm. What happens is God's God's spirit, we become more alive to the point where mm-hmm. we can't keep it inside. We can't mm-hmm. store this. It, it just, his love overflows. You can see that with God's love continually. You know? And he... Here he was talking about the physical right. blessings that he was going to give, but Rosemary, like you just said, you know, it's it's of our time and of our talents, and when we when we give him that time, he's just gonna make it so that it's overflowing, mm-hmm. just we'll coming out. To us. Yeah. yeah. So it's different gospels, like the prosperity gospel and all that stuff, and I think sometimes they might, they might work on that, but. We're in the New Testament now, and mm-hmm. when God talks about his blessings overflowing and we will be prosperous, it isn't necessarily about money. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not that it wouldn't be about money, but it's just that it's about the peace mm-hmm. that surpasses all understanding, mm-hmm. the um, fruits of the Spirit, the gentleness, kindness. I cannot list them all. Self-control, Self-control. You know, is one of them because yeah. that's when I... Patience! Oh, oh. We were waiting for that. Oh. No. <laughs> I can't wait. Come on. I want to know what the others are right now. (laughs) But it's the same principle. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if we, if we give, then there's like a spiritual law that God, if we, if we give into the kingdom, then out of the kingdom of God, things are going to come back to us, whether it is our time or our talents or our money or anything else. And it's part of it is a heart issue. 
I think it's almost all a heart issue. And the discipline of I'm going to give of my time, my talent, my finances, my whatever, um, and I'm going to trust God that this is not going to return void and that this is to better your kingdom. That is intentional. That's deliberate. And that's what this list really reflects, um, this move towards God. Mm-hmm. Not so much about, oh, we're going to do this and it's all about me, but it's about, God, we know we want the year of Jubilee. Lord, we, we know that you want that one-third shekel, Lord. And just that constantly puts him on their minds and this willingness to live in that manner very intentionally and deliberately. And I think, Rosemary, you said it before, that the more we do it, the easier it becomes. Right. Where it just becomes second nature to us. It becomes our identity. With, did, Rose, did, I, did you say that? I Somebody don't know. said that. It's pretty cool. I'll take it. Go ahead. It <laughs> I think I, I said it. Pretty sure it was me. Terry said <laughs> no. it. They're going to arm wrestle <laughs> now over who actually said you know it. I think it's going to be funny. It probably was Suzanne. <laughs> you can't quote yourself. <laughs> I know. <laughs> She's pointing her little finger, her pointer fingers down. <laughs> right. down at, at herself. It was me. It was me. It is so funny. <laughs> Dirty liar. <laughs> oh, we need grace she did and mercy not. here. She didn't. I made that all up. I made she it is up. throwing me I under made the it up bus. out of my own head. <laughs> yeah. Well, one piece I like about this is what would be what habit, so we can get into habits. Yeah. That part is where it just becomes our identity mm-hmm. when we're in it and we're deliberate. But there are habits that we have that we just do because we do. We cut the ends of the ham off or we do different things. Um, I wonder if there's any habit that you guys are thinking of that it's like, wow, I wonder what would happen if I changed that around and I submitted the first fruits to God mm-hmm. and did that. Does anything come to mind? Or? I'm trying to think if I have a habit that... So when the thing that automatically comes to my mind um, when you're talking about giving the first fruits is, of course, our your finances. Right. But... Um, I think also for me, um, the way that we eat was a big thing. Um, cause I don't like to cook. I just don't. I mean, I don't mind the cooking, but I think it's the fact that I've spent all this time and then 12 minutes later it's gone and everybody's off to do their and next like, thing. Mess. And I'm like, why did I do this? Um, anyway, so my if I had my way, we would eat out every night. But we would not have to decide where it was going to come from. It would just automatically come, and it would be a healthy. So anyway, those things don't work. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, for us, we were eating out way more often than we needed to be eating, and it was like just felt really convicted. Like God, we don't need to be eating like this. This is not, they're not really healthy options, and we have a tendency to eat faster and be more disconnected when we're eating out. So. I said, we're not eating out anymore. And now your kitchen's gone. Uh, well, and now my kitchen's gone, yes. Um, but it was like, we're not eating out anymore. And just giving that and just saying, God, you know, you have to be in charge of this. Um, and it was a sacrifice for us because my people like to eat out. They think it's fun and exciting, and then they don't have to do the dishes. <laughs> but um, it was like, okay we're going to keep you in mind first that this is not a wise way to spend our money and this is not wise for our health. So this is the 
anyway. So part of it is like knowing God's word. Yeah. But then that second part is being willing to step out on it and act on it and walk the walk, not just talk the talk. Mm-hmm. And so that's almost a different level um, of, of taking in his word. And taking in what's important. It's like we need to be more intentional about how we're going to eat these eat things or how we're going to connect as a family. I, I, that's where you can tell the word is changing you is when your behaviors change. Um, mm. And again, remember, it's like a lot of people say, oh, you become a Christian. Now you can't do this. You can't smoke. Mm-hmm. You can't drink or whatever. Um, it isn't like that. It's just like you were saying, you become convicted going, wait. There's another option here. We could possibly do something different. And just because that's what I was convicted of, of not eating out, doesn't mean that eating out is wrong. I know people who never cook and eat out twice a day, every day, mm-hmm. every year. That is what they do. And that's fine for them. Right. But that is not what was con- that's not what I was convicted so of. So again, it came out of a relationship with God, right. not out of the rules. Right. Because there's nothing in the Bible saying you can't eat out. Right. Mm-hmm. Or that it's bad to eat out. Right. But when we were thinking about what God has for us and how we can honor him, like that is something that hit me. And it's not a traditional tithe or first fruit or whatever, but it is my sacrifice of cooking and preparing. Um, and that's a way to honor him with that's giving him my time instead of thinking last about it and uh, that might be a bit of a stretch for for this context but that's really something that it it made a lot of sense anyway i I think mine is um i just exercise in the morning not for weight loss not for anything but to get my head in the game Mm -hmm. to be thinking about god thinking about who he is how am i going to start my day i haven't done that so that might be a habit that i need to just put in there which I can do maybe on Friday. <laughs> Definitely didn't happen today. Let's just point that out. <laughs> no. I do think it, it helps when you have something that you do first thing that kind of focuses your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I just get up every morning and I, before I get out of bed, I say hello um, to God the Father and to Jesus and to the Holy Spirit. And that's all I do that very first thing. Then I get up and of course... At 62, the first thing I have to do is run to the bathroom. Yes. And then I get my coffee. <laughs> and then my you run to the thing. bathroom again. And then I do that again. Yeah. Um, but just something, you know, some little thing that just makes me aware the only reason I'm getting up is because he's kept me and he's given me life. That's a great beginning. Oh, I love that. So that gets yeah. me started, and then I just go from there. So I do think that those little disciplines that we have are really important. I don't know that it matters so much the time. Like all the years that my children were little... You know, I had some friends who would get up at like four or five o'clock in the morning to have their quiet time in their Bible study. That, I, I'm a, my body clock is different. I would rather stay up till two or three and sleep later. Well, I couldn't sleep later, but I would sleep as late as I could, get my kids up and off to school. And then I would come home and then that would be my quiet time. So I don't, you know, I think you have to look at the season that you're in and figure out how you can honor God in that season, what prior, how you can prioritize Him in your life. Um, but I think it's going to look different for everybody. It is. Mm-hmm. What a fun thing to try and say, God, show me what you want me to do. Mm-hmm. Show me what you want me to intentionally do and be very deliberate about it. Show me what would honor you, please you. Mm-hmm. He'll yeah, tell you, and it will be different. 
Yeah, instead of trying to mimic someone else, sometimes that's okay if that sure. helps you get started. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I think we bite off too big a goal. Um, I think it, you're better off to take little baby steps. So mm-hmm. instead of thinking, okay, I'm going to get up and I'm going to spend an hour in the Word, and you've never spent an hour in the Word, mm-hmm. or I'm going to spend an hour praying, and you've never spent an hour praying, maybe you better start with like five minutes. I like hello. Yeah. You know? Hello. Just start somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then God will help you figure out the rest. Mm-hmm. I I have never been um, having quiet time or devotions in the morning. I'm just not. I'm just not. I do better in the evening. Later in the day. After yeah. everything's done. And I, I know people are like, well, that's not a very good way to start your day, you know. That's just if that what works, works for best for me. Yeah. Like, you know, this morning I didn't start off with saying hello or anything. But, you know, this study is the first thing on my mind these on days. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking about God automatically because I'm thinking about this and how, I mean, it's it has changed my thought pattern. I'm thinking about it a lot. Mm-hmm. So and it changes your day. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, you know, maybe God prefers having people come at different times instead of all of us bombarding him first thing in the morning. Mm, let me think about <laughs> that <so> one. <laughs> My approach to God first thing in the morning is far different than it is later on in the day. Mm. I'm much crankier and needier in the morning. <laughs> I just am. So I, I used to have a work um, for the marathon when I trained for the half. Well, I trained for the marathon. I only ran the half, but... My plan is I would get up, get in my workout clothes, immediately go out running. I mean, go to the bathroom and stuff. Then I'd just go out. And about ah, halfway through, I'd wake up. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, whoa, we're halfway done. We're almost done. <laughs> so. oh, that's cute. Yeah. oh, my goodness. Well, I just looked at the clock and realized that we, um, we've gone a little bit long today. Uh-oh. Uh, but that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good discussion. So does anybody have anything else they want to throw out there before we close up in prayer today? I just, I don't think we um, mentioned how Jesus has redeemed us and paid our redemption price for us. Mm-hmm. And Instead I, of I some shekels, a, he paid, he with paid his, his blood. blood. Yeah, with his yeah. life and um, bought us all back, not just firstborns. Although if it had been just firstborns, I'd be okay because <laughs> I am a firstborn. I'm not, I'm a middle. <laughs> Me too. We'd be well, here, sorry. sister. Woo. Uh-huh. <laughs> but uh, again, you know, the Old Testament and the things that happened there, a lot of it, much of it is a foreshadowing of what was to come when Jesus came. And that redemption price is a foreshadow. Yeah. Of That's Jesus. good, mm-hmm. Well, do you want to pray us out? Sure. Lord, we just thank you so much for um, your plan of redemption. Uh, how you put it into practice in the Old Testament with the Israelites and how you carried it through and how, Jesus, you are our redemption price. And we're just so thankful that you're willing to do that for us, that you're willing to do it for anyone who asks, anyone that would just uh, pray that Jesus would come into their life, that he would pay the price for their sin and accept you into their heart and into their lives to be the Lord of their lives. And it's available to anyone. And so we pray if there's anyone that um, wants to take that step today, that sounds God is knocking on the door of your heart, maybe your heart's pitter-pattering a little fast or whatever um, it is, however he's calling you, we just pray that if that call's coming, you'll answer that call today. And thank you, Jesus, for um, all you do for us and for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.